Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Angela. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good? Yes. Let's hear it. It's been some days since we last talked about comics. Very few, but yes. Yeah. Um, Several days have passed. <laughs> and here we are again to talk about more comics. Yeah. Um, so this week we're going to focus on volume one of The All Nighter from Comixology Originals. Mm. Um, but before that, let's do some general, like, okay. stuff. Um, so this is a Chip Zdarsky book. Yes. And as he's now kind of a Marvel guy. Yeah, he we, has written the best Tag the Duck. He has. Um, we don't really talk about Chip Zdarsky that much. No. Uh, because we do indie comics. So I thought we should do like a little Chip Zdarsky intro Look, section or we'll talk, talk about, about yeah, his previous bibliography prior to him just doing all the Marvel. Marvel. Um, I think a lot of people these days do know him for Spider-Man and Daredevil. Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff other I things. can't think of right now. No. Um, but I think... For me, it was kind of Sex Criminals, yeah. Captara, uh, How the Duck, Jughead. Pretty much, yeah. Um, all good things. Very good things. I still think his Howard the Duck is the best work he's done for Marvel. Yeah, I've got a real soft spot for Howard. I think it's different from previous Howard the Duck in that it really knows... Yeah. Who it's playing to, and he's it's so self-aware of what Howard the Duck is and how quickly someone's going to mention the film if you mention Howard the Duck, and kind yeah. of takes the sting out of that by being immediately like, hey, wasn't there a film? Um, <laughs> but it's like a three-volume, short-run Marvel series. Howard the Duck was really good. It was. And kind of sad, and kind yeah. of funny, and... It ticked a lot of the boxes. It, it was, did. It was a good, good read. Um, yeah. Similar with Jughead, I think, as a short-lived thing. Yeah. Um, two volumes with two. Chip and yeah. then two with Ryan Nob. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that sounds that right. Sounds, like, yeah, that sounds correct. It was Chip Zdarsky and Eric Henderson, and then it was Ryan North and Derek Chan. Chan, yeah. Look at us, we know stuff. Um, Again, I think that benefited from kind of playing onto the ridiculous side of Jughead. Yeah, because Jughead is pretty I mean, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean there are no realistic characters in Archie. Not particularly. Especially, no. <laughs> Which um, makes Riverdale all the more strange. Um, true that. But but of them, Jughead's probably the most ridiculous. Yeah, and. There are still things from Jughead that I think about all the time. Like, I think it's in issue one where there's the, like, cafeteria has got a new 
regime because of the new principal and they're yeah. not serving the food Jughead wants and he's in like the home ec food class and he's like so tell me you can make hamburgers <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> but that's really just so, burnt into our mind yeah. now um, that is the definition of that <laughs> character yeah it really is um, but then we've got like the time cop <laughs> issue and like the Game of Thrones issue yeah. and it's funny it's really funny and um, I guess it's interesting to me to see like Chip Zdarsky doing like serious Daredevil when yeah he's written some really dumb comics that I love for that I mean to be fair he's also done Stillwater he has <laughs> yeah okay which, Stillwater which is, is the other side of... which is straight up horror and I've often heard it speculated that there's a you know close blend between horror and comedy. And well, yeah, I mean anyone who's seen what we do in the shadows and yeah, Shaun of the Dead can probably attest to the fact that horror works very well with comedy. That is true. Um, still, what is not that funny? I can attest <laughs> to the fact that no, it's pretty bleak and brutal to be honest. Definitely, um, even. Yeah, even stuff like Captara, which was more sci-fi than comedy, was still kind of goofy at times. So, and sex criminals is just oh ridiculous, ridiculous throughout. Yeah, it has some like serious relationship moments, things like that. Throughout, it does, but is at its core pretty ridiculous. Yeah, very ridiculous. Thinking about it, <laughs> man, I like sex criminals. Um. So with that kind of groundwork done on our Background. Chip Zdarsky fan- yeah. fandom, um, we also move into this being Chip Zdarsky's first vampire book. Yeah. Um, and that made me want to ask, because I, I, every time it comes up on the podcast, we do the discussion that Will hates vampires, because there were too yes. many vampires when he was a teenager. Yeah. And we get into the fact that well, I really like vampires, because there were so many vampires when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of get into what's your take on vampires. Well, there's, I have various, the, the first sort of big thing, because Buffy the Vampire Slayer was around when I was a teenager, so that was obviously a thing. So that was an introduction to vampires, but they're not the, they're not the lovable kind of goofy vampires, are they, in that show? No, they're pretty, um... Pretty serious. Pretty about serious. All of the things. Here's some trauma and here's rape and such. And it's kind of a bit tainted now because Joss Whedon. Um, yeah. Sadly. It, it's so weird as well because, well, one, Joss Whedon. Two, Buffy is kind of serious and, yeah, not great. No. But at the other times, it's kind of wacky and weird. I can, it has, it runs a whole gamut of stuff. I mean, that's why the Whedon stuff was so popular because it managed to sort of tap into that cool, quotable lines and ridiculousness, yeah. but also character and drama, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be straight with you. I've I never been a Buffy guy. See, um, that's the right way to be. I knew someone who lived their life by Buffy and it didn't end well. I've been given. Terrible advice in the past, like, oh, watch all of it, 
And I, yeah. I, I started at the beginning of Buffy and was then given contradicting advice from someone else, which was, you don't need to see all of season one. You just need to see like the first three episodes and the last three episodes and then start season two, which is better because season one's all monster of the week. And I don't know. I, I also, my first experience was being forced to sit through the musical episode while in a room full of people singing it as if... Terrible. As if doing a Buffy sing-along was going to win me over to... No. I don't get it. It's, it, I think it is overrated and looking back and it's not it's probably my least favourite vampire related bit of fiction now looking back in many ways that's the voice of someone who hasn't seen vampires suck no I have not um, <laughs> luckily there was also Ultraviolet which no one remembers more people need to remember that I remember it but not as well as you do no which is somewhat worrying um, <laughs> that was a bit and also that I've just remembered while we were talking there was I can't remember whether it was called Blood Ties or not, but it was based on a book series. About Henry VIII, the legitimate son being yes, a vampire that's and the solving one. crime. Yeah. That's the one. That was my jam. He wasn't the main detective. He helped out. He helped the detective because she was going blind. Um, so she was chucked <laughs> off the police force, so she had to become a PI. And um, Henry comes along and <laughs> helps her out. History will probably suggest otherwise. But I thought Blood Ties was really good. It was. It was. And it blooming well ends on a cliffhanger. They open Pandora's box and... Yeah, the end of season one. That's and it. just never comes back. We never get a season two. Um, I was I was really into Blood Ties. I, Thank God someone else was. It might just be us. Um, oh, man, I've forgotten about Blood Ties. Mm. That's, yeah. That's I had and then it came back to me and I thought, I was gonna damn, say, I good stuff. I'm not sure it was good stuff. <laughs> It was stuff. It sure was a show. It was a show indeed. I think I grew up um, with my mum being really into like Anne Rice books. Ooh, you read one, you read them all. Yeah, and a lot of overlap there. And I distinctly remember being told I I was too young in like 2002 to see Interview with the Vampire. Um, But I was okay to watch Queen of the Damned, which is... The horniest new mm. metal film. <laughs> it is very much of its time. If you were to distill <laughs> I, I the could, early 2000s into a film, that would be it. I could talk about Queen of the Damned for like a worryingly long time, I think. Um, the soundtrack alone, because it's like... Lushtat becomes a rock star. Have you seen Queen of the Damned? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, good, good. Mm. Uh, otherwise this would be... <laughs> Lestat becomes a rock star after sleeping for 30 years and waking up hearing this kind of, you know, new sound, a new metal, if you will. <laughs> um, and he, he decides this is the time. Um, and, yeah, this, because of that, the soundtrack was written. So songs were written for him by, like, Marilyn Manson and Chester Bennington and Jay Gordon and all kinds of weird and wonderful new metal dudes. And um, they didn't know if Stuart Townsend could sing, so they cast Jonathan Davis from Korn to <laughs> perform the vocals in... So even though the, the soundtrack has songs perf- written and performed by, like, Chester from Linkin Park, yeah. the versions in the film are sung by Jonathan Davis from Korn, who is not on the soundtrack officially, which is so mm. weird. 
And then apparently found out that Stuart Townsend could sing. So there was no need for any of that. Um, but I think that, like, weird patch of, like, early 2000s metal being put onto one CD. And there's, like, real songs on it as well. It's not yeah. all. Um, yeah, but I think that really got me as like a yeah, this yeah. is incredibly cool. It's not. It is it is not a cool film. It is It's very good at fooling you as a young person <laughs> to thinking it is there, isn't it? Yeah, it's like <sighs> horny new metal vampires. Yeah. And isn't that what you always wanted? And no. then I don't know. Um that's where the genre needed to go, frankly. That's what the world needed. From there, I got into stuff. I think from there, I read Dracula. And in some way, I'm always reading, still reading Dracula. It's just so long. It is. Um, unabridged, of course. You, know, you, have to, you have to do it the right way. <laughs> uh, also, big fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula, you know, the film with Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yeah. That's, that's a... That's okay. There's never to me. There's never been a really good adaptation of Dracula, but that's that. Does, that's so the that's one that does pretty... the most of the book. Yeah, it does. And I. That's another one where, when I saw it as a teenager, everybody I knew was like, "Yeah, it's a good Dracula film." And as I've gotten older, more and more people seem to come out of the woodwork like it's a bad film. Like, which part is it? Where Anthony Hopkins is Van Helsing? Because that's good. <laughs> also, Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Um, yeah largely d- down to the fact that there's that opening scene where, um, no, no, it's not even an opening scene, it's just near the start, where Dracula gets kicked into a fireplace. Oh, yeah. Struts out and, like, adjusts his collar and stops being on fire. Um, that's my Dracula. That's... <laughs> that's the definitive version. So, I don't know. I think when I was in my teens, there was a lot of really dumb vampire stuff, so... Mm. A lot of stuff we've just mentioned. And I guess that's just meant I've always been into vampires because of that. Also, you know, I watched 10 seasons of Supernatural and there were... But they cropped up quite a bit in that. Yeah, and I, I think... I mean, I watched Blood Ties and... Yeah. Um, they made those Twilight films, which made vampires really not great for a while. I mean... To be fair, I read the Twilight, but I work in a library, I have to read books. Um, and I read Twilight and the various sequels, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn. And to name them all. To name them all. And I remember reading Breaking Dawn and just being like, wow, she's just she's just gone for this now. This is just absolute ridiculousness. <laughs> like, Jacob was never in love with Bella. He was in love with the fact that she was carrying... The person he was going to bond with because werewolves. I mean, it messes up so much mythology on both levels, <laughs> and also sparkly vampires. Because I, yeah, I've read a lot of vampire fiction, and a lot of it is in the paranormal romance genre. Some of it's ridiculous. Where is that? Can't <laughs> think why. I blame Anne Rice, but I mean, she just takes it to a. It's probably one of the worst fictional portrayals of vampires, but also they sparkle. I mean, yeah. There's an argument to be made there. You know, I like that, you know, can't go in sunlight because I'll sparkle. <laughs> not because it's going to... Such gonna, a legit problem. Not because it's going to kill me or anything, but no, because I'm going to sparkle. No, I, I completely agree. And
people like trying to balance the scales of vampire shows that at the same time that we had Twilight, is it FX decided to roll out the True Blood TV show as if to be like, hey, yeah. now nah, vampires can be hardcore. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be okay. Except True Blood, I think, doesn't bear much resemblance to its source material either, as far as I can recall. Uh, not from what I've read. No. Um, which is obviously far more than I should have. I know um, Elvis is a kind of um, not well vampire in it because he's been brought back from the dead too late after death. So he's like, I don't know, <laughs> not not okay. He's no. He helps and he's nice, but he's and they keep calling him Bubba as if to fake the fact that he's yeah. It's it's, he's Elvis. it's Elvis, guys. It's Elvis. Um, that shouldn't be my takeaway from the True Blood books, but it's like him. It's like in book one, and it's incredibly distracting. It is. is really? I like the fact that there's a time limit on making a vampire. Like, yeah, you know, if you, you, you go too late, you know. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work out for them. Also remembering now that all the Darren Shan books came out when I was in my early teens. Oh, I read all those. Sip yeah. to Freak and I can't remember the rest after that, I have to say. Vampire's Assistant. That was the, f- yeah, they kind the kind of... Name of the second book, but also the name of the, the film. The film, yeah. The film was was okay, but not. They didn't really run with much of the. They didn't run with much of the book. <laughs> of the books. No. Um. Because of course they were originally set sort of because Darren Chan is Irish. Shocking, really. Um, amazing. Um, so they kind of weren't set in America as far as no. the books, but the film I don't was. think the books ever give you a location. No. They refer to things as like the city. And yeah. Our mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but a river. And the film got very, ah, by a city, you must mean America. The only place to have cities. <laughs> yeah. The only place to have circuses. <laughs> um, which I, I don't think is the fault of Darren Shan. I think it is the fault of an American studio making a yeah. film. I think you could probably turn that in this era of television streaming and such. You could probably turn that series of books into some sort of series of television episodes. Yeah, I think there's still space in this world for a Darren Shan adaptation. Um, I don't know how. I don't know if it's more films or if it's more TV type Mm. stuff, but I feel like too much, too many things get films that would benefit from a TV show. Yeah. So maybe. I think it probably would. I think, yeah. I think you could probably do a nice Dracula miniseries and not whatever the hell that was that Stephen Moffat came up with those few years ago. I'd forgotten about that. I tried. <laughs> you get a Dracula miniseries from the BBC, though, like every five years. Every five years, yeah. So we had... This is so off topic. Do you remember the Dracula miniseries where it was like Dracula goes to America and... It's involved with the rollout of electricity and Renfield's recast as this oh, huge dude. This and rings an unfortunate bell. Did not like that. No. Um, I think I watched all of it. Kind of out of spite, rather. Spite watching Dracula. Um, but again, I think that's another show. This is a problem. Rolling out show after show after show just called Dracula. Yeah. Well, I, I missed the, you know... The 1960s and 70s stuff where it's all like Curse of Dracula, mm. House of Dracula, Bride of Dracula. Did that? Right. that, I think, that, I think that, that you have to have one. 
um, you know, 45 minutes in the living room of Dracula or just making up things yeah. to, to put before Dracula to be like, yeah. it's, not Dra- it's not the Dracula. Yeah. He's, yeah. But it's, it's Dracula. The Dracula. Dracula 2000, Dracula 2001, <laughs> um, Blade, one through three. Yeah. Plus TV show. Yeah. Um, gave me unrealistic expectations of Blade comics, which um, didn't exist. You just... No, he just... Even now, can't really get any Blade comics. No. It just doesn't... Weird. I just remember him showing up in the animated Spider-Man series. Yeah. Someone had Spider Morbius. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, those were the days. And I know you rocked up in the Avengers a few years ago, which... Yeah. Um, I don't remember how that turned out. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> um, so... I think that's the history We've covered of... covered vampires. Bigger than chaos and vampires. Yeah. So I'm going to use that as a segue. Ooh. Because one of my... Re- one of my things that I've gotten older is looking for vampire stories that do something more interesting with vampire stories. Yeah. So I was quite into... I'm still quite into it, so I'm going to think still. Uh, Redneck by Donny Case, which is a... Yeah. With image is image. I don't know why I'm <laughs> still ongoing. I think. I think. I can't so. remember. I feel like I've, it, it's not finished. It's not got a. It's not got the same sort of regular schedule other ones seem to have, which throws me a bit. Yeah, I think since Kate started working more at Marvel and has started doing stuff like crossover, Redneck has become a little bit more yeah. uneven in its distribution and releases and stuff. Um. But really interesting, Redneck, it has some of the best kind of like vampire hunting ideas that I've not come across anywhere else with stuff like if you draw a cross on the back of a vampire's neck, the vampire just dies. Or if you have a house full of vampires and tell them they're all no longer welcome, they often just leave really quickly um, and kind of freak out and panic about it. So... Off the back of that, I've been kind of wanting more interesting vampire things that play with the idea of what vampires can and can't do, how vampires work. Um, recently, we've had like Bloodstained Teeth and yeah. The West of Sundown, which kind of set up very different worlds, but also different worlds that entertain like what can vampires do and how do yeah. vampires work. Um, so I quite like the fact that different creators and different publishers at the moment are kind of exploring vampire stories in different ways. I also appreciate that these things all happen about six months before Halloween. <laughs> Always. So when Comicsology original said that Chip Zdarsky was going to do a superior vampire book. Mm. Yeah, that's different. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pretty interesting. I mean, it's something we... He's not the first. So Astro City has The Confessor, who is, you know, a vampire. And his sidekick, uh, you know, Confessor Boy. I can't remember remember his sidekick's name. Confessor (laughs) Junior. Altar Boy, obviously. It's Confessor and Altar Boy. They have a kind of relationship where... Alter Boy doesn't know he's a vampire, and that kind of then he he do, he realizes and uh, 
which is an interesting part of Astro C. But here, Chip Zdarsky kind of goes in a way different route to also, you know, Morbius is a superhero sometimes. Occasionally, yeah, depending on who's writing it. Yeah, what the series be. Um, you want me to take the intro for this? Or do you want go, to go for, go for the intro. So, there is a family of vampires who run an all-night diner called the All-Nighter that only opens at night because they're vampires, who basically, their cover story is that the youngest one of them, Joy, well, she might not be the youngest one of them. She's, she is the, she's the youngest looking. She's the youngest looking. The, the official story is that she has some disease called some like zero derma. Yeah. Um, which means she can't buy sunlight. So they're homeschooling her at night and she, yeah. Nonsense that kind of justifies why they all only do things at night because she's sunlight bad because she's a vampire. Because they're all vampires. So um the family is Joy, the youngest, Alex, the next youngest. Cynthia, the next, next youngest, and Ian, the next, next, next youngest. <laughs> I'll explain that in a really chaotic way, but I stand by it. And basically, they are just trying to not be discovered as vampires whilst live on the down low, as vampires frequently do. Like we saw, this immediately reminded me of, remember The Vein? Elliot I do remember The Vein. Where they're kind of living on the down low and then they stop. Very similar vibe to that. Yeah. So less Nazi hunting. Less Nazi hunting, more burgers and such. Burgers and crime, yeah. Burgers and crime. Yeah. So basically Alex is really into superheroes. Yeah, because he's the literal youngest, isn't he? Is he the literal youngest? I think he's twenty-four. And Joy says he's 57, yeah. but she's 45. Yeah. So I think he's not the youngest he's or the second youngest. youngest. Makes sense. And she, she writes it off as being like a male power fantasy thing. That's why he's so superheroes. That's it. And he tries to, you know, go for the debate of why superheroes are actually super cool and we should all be into them. And that it's not just that. There's more to it. And yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she basically points out that he is Superman-esque in that he is a vampire. And rather than that be the end of it and him be like, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a vampire and that's kind of badass and sweet. Uh, he instead stops someone getting mugged and becomes all superhero-y after they go to see Captain Claw 3. Yes. Um, kind of Wolverine, Captain America. Yeah. Mash up the... Yeah, I can live it. I'll watch that. I mean, it's, it's a solid... <laughs> just the fact that you've called it Captain Claw 3. The fact there is two previous Captain yeah, Claw films. Yeah, we're 3D. Um, but basically, Alex takes on this superhero role of Night Shock. Terrible night. Yeah. Um, and spontaneously manages to acquire a kind of purple and black and grey... Full superhero costume. Yeah, where did that come from? Because when he starts off stopping the mugging, he basically like the just daredevil style. Yeah, he just pulls the shirt, shirt over his head, and then suddenly he's got a full-on costume. It's a bit like Peter Parker in, you know, the first Spider-Man film. Hey, I've got just this. miraculously knows yeah. how to so incredibly complicated. 
things. Yeah. That is true. Um, I assume we're just going to go into spoilers with all of this because it's been out for yeah. a few months and stuff. This is your last spoiler war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there'll be spoilers. Yeah. So, essentially... Alex's activity as Night Shark leads to Joy joining him as a sidekick called Night Kick, <laughs> which is crap, but it's good. It works. She thinks of it on the fly. Yeah, basically, so you've you got to embrace it. And basically quite quickly leads to the revelation that there's not only vampires in this world, but basically all the fantasy stuff. Yeah. And we're, we're told that Cynthia used to be the head of quite a big company that was bought out by a guy called Francis Shelton, who is Frankenstein's monster. Yep. And the idea that then leads to kind of quite deep concepts about how these characters have come into being. Yeah, it goes a bit existential crisis. Yeah, I, I was expecting it to be a lot of, there have always been vampires, there's always been whatever, or, you know, Frankenstein was based on true events, but instead we get more the idea of these characters kind of being willed into existence by mythology and the repetition of ideas, and I think it's at that point that this becomes really quite interesting, because then it's supported that the speculation that whilst Alex could be Night Shark, anyone could be because superheroes are the new mythology yeah. and they could just be being willed into existence. Um, which is quite deep for what I thought yeah. was going to be kind of a ridiculous book. I mean, it's still a ridiculous book. It is a ridiculous book. You've got vampires fighting crime. Yeah. But on the other hand, we're also kind of being dealt quite... Mm unlikely concepts like existence and <laughs> yeah and they have to hide as well because if they don't the takers could, the come, takers could come and take them yeah we, the we still don't really know five issues in this is five issues yeah five issues in we still don't really know who the takers are we basically just know that you'll get taken if you uh yeah if you're too obvious, because it's yeah. all to do with, like, the natural order of things. It's like, because you've willed these beings into existence through mythology and all that, that isn't how the world was originally, and therefore they are restoring the balance yes. by taking them away. So you have to be, like, low-key vampire, yeah. otherwise you'll get got. Yeah, which fighting crime in a cave tends to not be quite... Luke. Yeah, it's not the most subtle. Um, but this blows up quite big quite quickly. I was expecting this to be a kind of, he's a vampire, he's finding his feet as being a superhero. Mm. And instead, not long into it, we find a bunch of trolls playing supervillain on a bridge. Yeah, um, the bridge they've lived under for so long they've desperately wanted to make themselves known and now if they pretend to be superheroes, it's okay. That is uh, Gajo Horlag and Merle, <laughs> who, yeah, basically decide to be supervillains and get involved and think that this is 
all part of Alex's plan to bring this weird fantasy world out so yeah. that they're free to take over. Um, Set cars on fire, kidnap people, all the, do what you gotta do. All the good stuff. And that, yeah, it obviously isn't the intention. He just wants to be a superhero. Yeah. Um, but then when the kind of head vampire, Mr. Lazaruk. Yeah, I struggle to pronounce his name, so we'll go with that. It's an odd one. Gets wind of this, he kind of sets off to, I think, New York City? I don't yeah. think he specified. He's on a private jet, that's all I know. Yeah, uh, decides to set off to where superheroes be happening. Yeah. And to get involved and kind of introduce even bigger concepts. Not not the same kind of big concept, but concepts like <laughs> there being vampire elections for who's in charge. Yeah. And encourage the grander exposure of this fantasy world, yeah. which leads to kind of the biggest part of this book, which is Dr. Buttons. Yes. Who is this Pennywise, Violator-esque, bogeyman type? Yeah. So he appears as a clown because clowns are scary, but he basically trades on you because he's a bogeyman. He trades on your fears. Yes. Like Pennywise. Like Pennywise. And... Yeah, kind of causes chaos and basically leads the entire family to end up taking up the vampire superhero route. Yeah. To stop the bad things. And that's basically a lot of what this book is. It um, is. I never said, but aside from being written by Chip Zdarsky, yeah. this is drawn by Jason Liu, coloured by Paris Elaine. Yeah. Uh, lettered by Aditya Bidakar and edited by Alison O'Toole and released by Comixology Originals, which probably means we're going to get a Dark Horse trade paperback in the coming months. We can, but hope. Um, I do think this deserves printing. I think people will really enjoy this. Um, It it surprised me. It honestly moved away from what I expected it to do pretty quickly. And, you know, good. It's nice to be surprised. Um, What were your thoughts on... Same, because I thought, oh, you know, I think it it plays up sort of the relationship between the characters, because I hate the found family trope as a concept, but the found (laughs) family trope works here. Because you've got sort of Joy and Alex are sort of like the kids, even though, you know, Joy's like, I'm 45 years old, I'm stuck in the body of a 12-year-old. Joy's just great. Which is um, something we see more and more at the moment with uh, Golden Gale. Yeah. And is it Stillwater? Is Stillwater that... has Galen, yeah. And his little gang of children. I feel there's other stuff I feel like, well, where... yeah. This does remind me quite a lot of Stillwater in the children who never grow up concept. Oh, um, Little Monsters is what I'm thinking of, which is also Vampire Kids. Kids Kids are Vampires. So Kids is Vampires is a concept at the moment. Um, But yeah, so you've got the kids. You've got Cynthia, who isn't really the mum figure in a way because she gets bossed around by Joy quite badly. Yeah, and I don't know if that's 
because she has been a vampire for the least time. Yeah, so. I think there's a certain amount of, you're the newbie vampire, um, and Ian's clearly the father figure. So you've got that kind of dynamic, um, but it's it's played with a bit because these are vampires, they're not human beings, yeah. there's whole other things going on. Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised because I didn't. It went ways that I didn't think it was going to go because I didn't think they were going to be fighting a clown bogeyman. Not, a, not <laughs> even slightly. Didn't even come on the radar. That I thought, oh, you might just have him, you know, fight some crime and they have to stay hidden. And how does he balance fighting crime and staying hidden? And yeah, that that's the, I guess this is the thing. I expected this to be more of a straight superhero story, like. Mm. I don't know, like Spider-Man or whatever, where it's like, how do you yeah. live a normal life? Well, but he already doesn't live a normal life. He's a vampire. Yeah. He goes, when he, you know, he's like, I'm free. It's like when he comes back and he's been out, he's like, I'm feeling ill. I'm, and he, like, goes in the coffin for, like, 36. 28 hours. Yeah, 28 yeah. hours, yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I just like that. I'm going to my room and I'm just going to go and sulk in my coffin. Um but yeah, it, it goes in an interesting direction and it does do something different with vampires as a result. Because um, I like the fact that, you know, they've all got very different backgrounds and they're all into different things and they read like people, but also they're vampires. Which, yeah, and what I like about the art, just to go on to the art, really is the fact that the way their mouths are drawn, so you can just about make out their fangs. Yeah, that's... It comes and goes a little bit, but more often than not, you can tell they have fangs, mm. which is a good detail. I think there's a lot of good little details in the art. I think stuff like the colouring does a really good job of showing like time of day, Yeah, which is kind of important in a book that's all vampires all the time because they don't want to be around in the day yeah so if you can show like there are scenes where alex is like on rooftops like in the twilight saying some kind of time of night day evening evening (laughs) and i think aspects like that work really well to show like hey it is night even this is like you know the morning of the night or Mm. whatever so it kind of shows a good transition between times of day and it's it's nice to see that it's not just it's night, it's dark, yeah. It's yeah. it's a good element. I also think character designs are really good and really varied. Yeah. Um all four family members, uh, Andrea, the cop, who basically figures out Alex is a vampire because she, she knows him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. That's another thing because at one point, of course, she gets quite badly wounded, and I, I swore that she was going to end up a vampire at that point. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I think it could have gone that way, and maybe it didn't because it was so likely. But I like the fact we swerved away from the obvious. I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, this is the point. She's going to be a vampire, and 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 she doesn't because we still don't quite know how vampires are made. No, we see. Joy, you know, like, bite some guy and kill him at one point, but we don't yeah. really see the becoming a vampire. And I guess we will at some point. It's yeah. unavoidable almost. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of question marks around the vampire 
mythos here. Yeah. Um, Particularly that end where you find out who Ian is. Yeah, I feel like maybe we leave that for people. Yeah, maybe we'll leave like, that hanging. But there's more to Ian than meets the eye. Mm. And I don't know, I think it's interesting that even though each character has such a different background and has such different traits, they all work well together. And even though it is the found family thing, it feels like there's enough consideration put into it so it's not just four random people. It's really balanced and they're all so different. And it's interesting to see, like, 24-year-old Alex, who's actually in his 50s, arguing with 45-year-old, 12-year-old Joy, which creates really odd dynamics. And I think it's rare that we're told how old a vampire is and how long a vampire has been a vampire. So knowing that Alex is 24 but he's 57, basically yeah. tells us he's been a vampire for like, I don't know, 30, years, 30 years. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we're just told vampires are old. Yeah, <laughs> vampires just live forever and, you know, centuries old. And there's a weird, I don't know what it is, there's a weird difference. If you're told, oh, I was made a vampire in 1970, that's one thing. But if you're told, I've been a vampire for 30 years, that seems more readable I guess yeah. to be like how long this person has been 24 yeah what is what is their life experience Cause clear, that's an old thing because clearly they haven't grown up per se because they're not like they don't act all the time like a 45 year old and a 50 odd year old no they still have those younger which I traits. yeah which I like because so often when you have a young child you get, you know, a child vampire, it's like, oh, well, mentally they're exactly, you know, 45 years old, they're just, you know, it's just their body hasn't aged and all of that. And it's like, well, in a way, no, because yeah, they would still have elements of being a 12-year-old because physically that's what they are and your life experience will accumulate, yeah, but there are significant biological changes that happen between 12 yeah. and 45. And if you're still treated like a 12-year-old by any outsiders, that's going to have an effect. Yeah. Um, which I think there's a lot of credit to be given to Chip Zdarsky for that, for yeah. considering the layers of these characters. I mean, he does it in Stillwater, to be fair, with Galen, because mm. Galen is, you know, I want to grow up and all the rest of it. And but he acts still like a kid, which is what makes him dangerous because he doesn't. Although he has lived for a significant period of time, he still acts like the same kid that he always was, and that's why he's the worst. <laughs> um, and he's pulled the same trick off with Joy and and Alex in this, in that yeah, yeah he's managed to make them old, but also of their age. Yeah, definitely. I think he manages to make comments about things like Francis buys the company from Cynthia under the argument yeah. of he can be an eccentric man and everyone will accept it. No one's going to accept an eccentric woman, which... That's a great line because <laughs> it's true. It, it, yeah, it unfortunately definitely has a basis in reality and 
I think it's interesting that a book that on the surface was like, hey, vampire superhero, manages to have these layers that are like, I don't know, so interwoven with the plot, but there's still things to be said here. The I. There's deeper concepts in the idea of like, hey, all fantasy creatures have been willed into existence, but then also the idea that that's affecting the real world. It would be one thing to say Frankenstein exists because Mary Shelley wrote a book, but to say vampires exist and they can make other vampires shows the effect that they have on the real world. And I'm really interested to see where this will go and what the takers will be and... Yeah. We see we see things like Frankenstein's security being like... Oh, the, the werewolf lichens. <laughs> yeah, just, werewolves yeah. in like mo- motorcycle jackets and motorcycle helmets yeah. who, I don't know, leap around doing like parkour. Yes. And I think in the back, Jason Liu talks about them stylistically fighting with Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he thought yeah. that was the most werewolfy. <laughs> That was the werewolf method of fighting. Um, Chip and Jason's commentary in the back where they're talking through designs and stuff is quite It's really good, actually. It's worth reading. It's well done. It's funny at times. It's weird. Um, And I like the idea... the, The stuff in the design work where he's drawing, like, goblins but in super villain gear. It's like, that is really interesting. That is a good concept to be like, hey, fantasy supervillains. Yeah. Which, it's weird. We, we do get, in like Marvel and DC, we see fantasy characters who are superheroes and who are supervillains. But here it's like the full commitment to them looking like the fantasy character playing the supervillain. Yeah. Like where we see like Michael Morbius and he's essentially just in a featureless black jumpsuit for some reason. Yeah. With his little capey. Yeah, he's okay. Or he's quite well dressed or whatever. Or you no, know, we constantly Marvel constantly dumps on us like, hey, this is there's an elf and he just yeah. looks like a dude with pointy ears. I think in this, if you got an elf, it would be pretty ridiculous. It would look like an elf. Yeah. So many levels. Um I like that. I like the commitment to making the, the concepts meet up, the fantasy and the superhero and just smashing those concepts together to create something weirder than I expected. Yeah, yeah it has moments where it's just, yeah, I mean, the whole Trolls on the Bridge thing. Let's trolls just, on the Bridge. Let's just commit and have Trolls on a bridge instead of under a bridge. It says so much about the podcast we've been making that as soon as the bridge was on fire i'm like fantastic Four. yeah i did that yeah i was like oh yeah yeah i, I remember that funny. scene i was half expecting them to show up. and mm. it's interesting because i do wonder if oh, I, I do wonder if that was deliberate like let's just draw you know i wouldn't put it past um this creative team to have deliberately done that i, I would not just really to mess with us for chip to be consciously like Fantastic four. <laughs> mm. I, I just w- don't think it can be ruled out. Um, Particularly because it's like that's their big hero moment of all four of them. Definitely, yeah. Um, I really like 
that this does the classic Universal thing, Universal Studios monster movie thing of vampires plus werewolves plus Frankenstein. Yeah. Right here, right now. Are we going to get a mummy show up at some point? Ah, one can only hope. (laughs) Surely someone's willed them into existence. There are some really good panels. I had forgotten about the night shock and night kick jumping through the air on the bridge whilst it's on fire but there's fireworks behind them that's that is good stuff yeah it's like very superhero entrance jason lou's artwork it is really good i haven't read any of his other work i don't think um no nor have i i feel like i should but he is the right artist for this. I, I know he's worked with Chip Zdarsky before on that previous Comicsology series, Afterlift, which I own but haven't read. So Likewise, I should. yes. I have <laughs> it on ready to read, but I, yeah. haven't, I might have to go and do that. I think okay. I've got the book and I've got it digitally as well. So I've only got it digitally. No excuse. Um, but I really liked this. I, I can't really find much to criticise. I think... It just ticks a lot of the right boxes for me. I think I've gotten into a space of wanting weird superheroes quite frequently and interesting vampire ideas. And I like Chip as a writer. He's Um, he's good. And I'll admit, as we've done more and more of the podcasts focusing on indie books, I have read less and less Marvel and DC. So Likewise. (laughs) It's nice to see what he can do away from that. And obviously you're reading Stillwater every month. Yeah. Well, when it comes out. When it, it? Yeah, it's infrequent. It, it throws me every time. It's like, oh, there's another Stillwater. That's why my reviews for that are always late, because I never know when it's going to appear. But I, I think it's nice to see more creator-owned independent projects from Chip and from everybody. Yes. Yeah. It's nice to see anyone who's doing a lot of Marvel work also have time to do something yeah. that is their own. Because so often it feels like once they go to the big two, they don't do anything else. One does not return from the big two. No. And it's a shame because they're often, some of their create, you know, their creator and stuff is probably going to be more interesting just because they have a free reign on it. Yeah. And you think, oh, you've done a re-, I mean, you know, we've said he did a really good How the Duck. But at the same time, it's it's nice that he can do other stuff that is taking interesting concepts and playing with them like this, because this is taking yeah. superheroes and vampires and just having a fun time with them. And it's nice that he can still do that, and we're not we're not shortchanged on the wonderful weirdness that lies within uh, Chip's brain. Yeah, of course, and you know, not knocking Daredevil or Spider Man at all. It's just interesting to see the weird and variety, the weird variety of what the creative team here can do when not involved in a bigger company with bigger yeah. editorial requirements. And I don't know, this this, mm. this is fun, and it, it I think it wears its influences quite proudly on its sleeve, which makes it work all the better. Yeah, it. I mean, there are a lot of classic tropes in there, but it, it, you know, and they can be a bit cliched, but it doesn't feel that. It's like, yeah, I, I'm glad you tipped your hat to that particular trope. Yeah, I think 
that's the, one of the things. It should feel cliche, and it it doesn't really. Yeah. It, it uses those cliches as the shorthand to tell a story faster, rather than explain like this is a superhero. Yeah. This is a vampire. By just being like, hey, you know Wolverine, you know Captain mm-hmm. America. Boy, do I have a concept for you. It's. I mean, I I am waiting for the Captain Claw comic. I'm not gonna lie. I'd read that. If we could do um, like an issue that starts with like a Captain Claw issue and then yeah, I'd be down for that. Segways in. Uh, Chip, if you want to use that. Um, yeah. Credit where it's due for Big on Cakes, please. Hey, we, we know on occasion creators listen to this. Occasionally they do. Um, as well they should. <laughs> that sounds vaguely threatening. <laughs> hey, oh. Wasn't meant to. No. Yeah. Um, We've, I think we've reached the problem we often have of just throwing praise at stuff. Yeah, the it's, this is the problem. When it's good, yeah, it's just like, these are all the ways in which it is good. Thank you and good night. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're into fantasy, you're probably going to be into this. If you're into vampires, you'll yeah. be into this. And if you're into superheroes... You'll be into this. You'll be into this. It ticks a lot of boxes. I, Yeah, it just ticks a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. I think... As the issues go on and the more information we're given as to how this family started with Joy and Ian. Yeah, I like the fact that we at least get that flashback in this to see the two of them and it's like, oh, the rules are now they can't be covered. And Joy's like, so what about just two vampires? Yeah. Yeah. I also like that in the big fight scene at the end with Buttons, Ian basically explains all the weaknesses of... Buttons, yeah. and then we see all that tied together and I don't know it's yeah I don't... somewhat random exposition at that point but, but we yeah. also don't really have any information on Buttons no he he turns up as a creepy clown and it's like like we said like we've said it is Pennywise and Violator-esque and at some yeah. point you have to point out the weaknesses that's obviously a problem with any thing of this nature you do have to point out at some point what kills a vampire what kills the bogeyman what kills a werewolf yeah it's children's laughter every time all the children's laughter and I also like the fact that I think he mentions something like the fact that Ian's like oh you know you've made a mistake because you care about people yes which is true and Ian tries to play kind of a tough guy role yeah for a lot of this of protecting yourself and this is why vampires aren't allowed to hang out anymore and stuff like that. Um, Really good comic, though. Yeah. And I I know issue six and seven are out now, so I'm interested to check out what else there is here. Um, Maybe we'll be back for volume two. Yeah, yeah, probably probably will. Chip, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're there, you want to talk about the all-nighter and still water and stuff yeah Bigman Capes is available for all of your interviewing needs true um if we do carry on with this there is a chance we'll cover it on uh we could cover this in singles that might happen I might do that oh dangerous I'm already behind (laughs) yeah you're already two issues behind which is probably only half the series but if I do that'll be at biggerthancapes.com 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's assume. Let's assume it's... And if it's not, we do have other reviews of other vampire-related stuff. Yeah, we've talked about The Vein and... I think I've talked about Redneck in the past. Yeah, I've written about yeah. Redneck. Yeah, they're, they're definitely. I'm sure one when we attempted that ridiculous Halloween experiment for October. Ah, the, let's do a Halloween recommendation every day of Halloween. Yeah. If you if you're at home and you're wondering, that is as hard as it sounds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was not the easiest task we've ever set ourselves, and I'm sure Redneck got. The other one, uh, the other Donny Cates one that begins with I, that got mentioned. Intercept. That's the one. Which is Vampires in Space. Yeah, that's a good book. It is, never know. finished. Um, nope. So Donny, if you're out there. And if you're... <laughs> Please finish it. But no, I, I'll continue to read The All Nighter, I think, because... Yes, I, I think it's, it's easy to read and it's a rewarding read. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to see where this can possibly go. I mean, I'm holding out for a mummy. <laughs> yeah, now, now that you mentioned the mummy. There we go. I don't know, maybe, you know, we're two issues behind. Who's to say what's happened in those two issues? Invisible Man. Invisible Man. Um, Black Lagoon, creature from... Oh, there. yeah. Uh, I'm struggling here with not just listing characters from League of Gentlemen. No, we very sure no German. Yeah. Very I mean, different, very, very, very different, different concepts. Entirely different. Yeah. Did mess me out a bit, about a bit when they actually released that film. Because that the film came out at a similar the time. The film came out at a similar time, yeah. Very confusing. Uh, yeah, I had some really confusing conversations with some friends about that where we were both talking about completely different things. Um, so, on that note, I think... Yeah. I think we're more or less done. I think we're done. So we've been Angela and Zach, mm. collectively bigger than capes. This has been the all night Yeah. Which does have capes. <laughs> it does have capes, but not really. Hmm. It's, not, I mean, it's not quite on brand. But remember that comics are bigger, bigger than, than capes. And vampires. And vampires with capes. Yeah. <laughs>